0: You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Tuesday afternoon. Our next topic will contain discussions on suicide, so listener discretion is advised. Uh, This afternoon, we're talking to Anne Pierce about the Wheeze project, which was created in memory of her son, Jamie Bruno, whose life was sadly cut short after he took his own life. In the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be hearing about Anne's journey to make something good come from a tragedy that affected her life and, of course, to raise awareness for youth mental health and suicide and how she's been navigating through her grief. So thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, Anne. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show this afternoon. How are you today?
1: I'm very good. Thank you, Noreen. And thank you very much for inviting me on to talk with you.
0: We are live on Facebook this afternoon. So for our listeners, feel free to join us as viewers. Noreen Meir on RTHK Radio 3. So, Anne, you know, there is a stigma when it comes to talking about our mental health. Um, is this stigma even greater for young people? And how can we sort of open the conversation on the topic of suicide?
1: Well, I think in the way that young people and adults perceive things, whatever they are, will be different. Um, so in terms of uh, thinking about young people, um, and their exposure to conversations around mental health and suicide if that's not if that hasn't been part of their experience then um talking about difficult emotions particularly if there may be suicidal feelings then um that yeah if the because there is a stigma, if that if the parent, if sorry, if the parents and adults in their lives don't talk about this, then a young person may feel shame, um, fear um, about talking, yeah, about talking about these topics and not know, um not have the confidence to be able to talk out because they won't necessarily have an environment in which this has been something that we talk about.
0: I I agree with you. I think there's a, a real struggle when it comes to talking about our mental health versus physical health. You know, people are sort of much more open when it comes to headache or back pain, but when it comes to pains of the mind and, and heartaches, people sort of shy away from it and they're just not so forthcoming. And I know this is definitely something that you're really advocating for. You're really trying to educate the public about mental health literacy. Um, perhaps for some of our listeners who, who don't know what that is, um, what's your understanding of mental health literacy?
1: Mental health literacy is being able to understand what mental health actually is um, to be able to talk about it so we think about it in terms of um, let's see um, yeah in, in terms of school um, we have subject literacy around say geography or whatever so you learn um, terminology relating to geography let's switch it to talking about mental health so that the terminology around mental health is something that we can become familiar with and start using in our conversations so that young people um, are taught the language of mental health so that they can recognize their emotions, be able to apply words to describe what what they're feeling so that they can talk to other people in a way that people can relate to what they're talking about. And if we if we think about this as mental health literacy for not just for young people for all the adults in their lives yeah. so that so that at, you know their teachers at school the people at school are talking about it yeah you know, that they're as I said, you know made the analogy with geography but they're, that they're that we're teaching our young people about mental health and in the same way that can also do the same with with parents, that this becomes common language, common literacy that we all have, so that we have a way in which we can describe this. I guess it's, and it is difficult, because it's sort of, you know, you don't necessarily want to delve into the depths of the mind and what might be going on. Um, And one can understand that, it you know, it may feel a little bit uncomfortable to do that. But equally, you know, think about it, um, that you know, we are prepared to talk about cancer in a way that um, probably you know, 10, 20 or more years ago, would, it would have been a to do, taboo subject. Now we're talking more about mental health and you know, the pandemic is shining a light on that and the people are prepared to... Be more open about their experiences of being in you know feeling far more isolated than they ever have because of what's you know what we're experiencing in the pandemic and opening up to talk about that and yeah uh, i would like very much to see um people being prepared to open up to talk about more you know, to being able to talk about suicide you're absolutely well,
0: right, Anne. and 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 I think you, you you mentioned a really good point. Adults in the children's lives need to be prepared to talk about these things as well. Trouble is, we perhaps never grew up with the mental health literacy. We really didn't, you know. Um, we we really also didn't grow up with that sort of language. So it's also uh, you know a, a learning process for for the adults.
1: You are so right. I think it's something that we're you know we're still getting to grips yeah we're all still getting to grips with and you know it it does present an opportunity for us all um to to learn and to be prepared to talk more openly about um something that we might find a little bit sensitive but
0: let's 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 do it absolutely um Tell us a little bit more about Whiz Week, um, and and how did you raise awareness this year, and and what did you do in previous years?
1: Okay, um, wiz Week is a, um, a awareness raising and anti stigma campaign from the Whiz Project. Um, I'll talk to you a bit later about the Whiz Project, um, and so this what the theme for Weeze Week this year was a development of what I did last year when I launched Weeze Week for the first time um, as an anti-stigma and awareness-raising campaign. The theme this year was talk, listen and care about youth suicide. And there are a number of events related to Weeze Week um, to help yeah, to help promote. Um yeah help promote this idea um, so one um, may one of oh, i'm proud of everything that's um, happened within within Wee's Week. there's been some great things um first the Wee's wall um artist stern Rockwell together with um h k walls, painted a mural in hang, which was. Um, just incredibly emotive, and what he did was to depict in one simple picture um, a person dealing with difficult emotions, and this was portrayed um dramatically in colour, um, just representing different emotions, and also um he shows himself um is having a difficult time, he's reaching out on his mobile phone, um, he's asking for help, he's reaching out, he wants help, and he knows that he needs help and he's got his arm around himself because he loves himself and he wants to take care of himself. And that was just the most, yeah, such awesome. a powerful rendition of what this is all about. And the piece that was so incredibly um touching to me is that uh, Jamie was a sticker artist and Stern took two of Jamie's stickers and incorporated them into the phone. So it was, it, sorry, ah. into the mural. So Jamie has one sticker as a face. So when a person is talking on the phone, he's talking to the face and is wearing a hat and he's got the Weez, um logo on his hat. So incorporated wheeze into that wall. So, so Jamie was there.
0: (laughs) It's a beautiful image. And I really want our listeners to go to the Wheeze Project um, Facebook and also a website to look at it. It's very colourful and it's done very stylistically and beautifully. That's what the stickers were. I was wondering what those, what those stickers were. (laughs) I'm glad you explained that
1: very much. Uh, Jamie was a sticker artist, so this is a way of incorporating wheeze into, into the wheeze wall. So it's fantastic. That's fantastic. Another thing that we did, uh, Kelly's support team, um, so Kelly's support group um, put up their own mural on their premises. Um, they, they drew a wall of hope. Um, beautiful. And another thing that we had on the the Wees project website was the Wheeze Wall of Hope, where we invited people to post messages of hope and positivity, preferably with you know some beautiful images there and lovely messages just there as a place of comfort and um, you know, support for young people um, who may be having difficult emotions. So that was that was one. Lovely piece that we did and still you can still see some of the things on the on the Wee's Wall of Hope on the on the Wee's website. Um, we ran a webinar for teachers and parents. So this was together with, um, a, with a psychiatrist and member of and clinical advisor to Mind Hong Kong and a psychologist, school counselor, and board member of Kelly support. So it was fabulous having these two organizations supporting Weease Week. And so it was having two highly articulate, knowledgeable um, experts talking around the subject of youth suicide prevention and feedback we've had is that it's, it was well received. And I think the, there were some amazingly strong points were put by the two experts. So it was, a, it was well worth and, a, and another, last but not least, um, big thing in Wee's Week is that my husband walked the whole coastal trail of Hong Kong Island. Wow. So he started- All in one day? To- all in one day. Wow. So within wow. twenty he did it. He actually did it in thirteen hours. Started off in started off in Potfulham and ended up in Potfulham thirteen hours later, seventy-two kilometres um, in total. Um doing the walk to raise awareness and also as a as a fundraiser. So quite a few things have happened during Wee's Week and it's it's been you know, it's been a tremendous experience, and just having the opportunity to talk about the things that are so important to me, and hopefully you know, continue to, um yeah you know, deliver my message of why I think it's so important that we are prepared to talk openly about suicide, because if If we are, if we're able to do that, then hopefully young people will be better able, feel better supported to if they are in difficulty, knowing that they're support and also supported by adults who are better prepared to be able to support them.
0: That's remarkable, Anne. Thank you so much for continually raising awareness on, on, on this very important subject Many people will think that you know if you ask someone whether someone is suicidal, you'll be putting the idea in their head. But that's not really true. Um, Anne, can, can you shed some light on this?
1: You're not going to put the thought into their into their head. In fact, if you if somebody is experiencing suicidal thoughts and uh, the and person asks them if they're okay or if they are thinking about um, they are thinking um, they have suicide, then there's recognition, care and recognition that what's going on for them has been picked up, that somebody somebody cares, somebody's recognised that I'm not feeling as I want to. And here's the door is open. For a conversation it's not going to it's not going to put an idea into the head they already have an idea in the head and what you what we are doing by raising uh, raising the subject is enabling them to talk to talk about it and then to get help so that you know you can you can do that so you're not going to put the idea into someone's head um yeah it's a- with um,
0: these thoughts are yeah. these thoughts are, are often yeah. there, and I I, I really. Uh, uh, yeah that point resonates you know by asking about it by by asking quite directly you know, are you thinking about taking your own life or are you feeling suicidal? Um, you are know you don't, don't beat around the bush if you ask directly, chances are they'll be direct, direct. With you. yes,
1: be direct and then if they're not, well, fantastic. If they are, then you have an opportunity to intervene to help. And to get the person the help that they need, uh, so.
0: Um, and yeah. yeah, absolutely, and let, let's move on to the topic of grief. I think you know, um, I, I sort of want to ask you, you know, h- how difficult is it for you to talk about Jamie's life a- a- and death, and what sorts of ways are you are you finding that will help your your coping journey.
1: Um one thing to say out front is I am extremely proud to be Jamie's mum. He's an incredible individual. He did so much in such a short life. He touched so many people. um, And his loss, he was touched, sadly has touched an awful lot of people. And, you know, it's... uh, we're worse off everyone's worse off without him here um, and that's why yeah but it's so i i still i like to talk about him because yeah yeah source of great joy huge amount of huge amount of love and you know he as i said he brought so much um to so many people you know talked about talked about his sticker art He's, he was connected to communities around the world and I know how much around um, the world
0: wow around the
1: world yes he was he was involved in sticker art forums um his pieces of artwork have been put up in his memory in various places but gosh there's a huge mural in Los Angeles but also prior to that he um part of this community. He was connected to many, many people. They would swap stickers. They would talk they would just, you know, very geeky, you know, talk about what they like to do with regard to with regard to street art. So, you know, that's, that's and he thinks um yeah, as I say, very proud of all he did. Um
0: And as you already know, you know, um, my father also died by suicide and it's not something that I I really ever talk so openly um, on my program. But speaking to you before and and, and this afternoon has really given me the the courage to, to talk about it and... Um, what I've learned along the way of grief is it really is a lifelong process. Um, there are so many layers to, 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 to grief. You're, you're not just sort of grieving for the person. You're, you're grieving for the past. You're grieving for the present. And, you know, there are days when you are grieving for the future. Um, what's it been like for you, Anne? Um, how are you navigating through this? It's,
1: um, grief is incredibly painful. It just, it hurts, hurts so much. And I took and needed help. Yeah, at the very beginning, I saw a counsellor who made a big difference to me because he really understood um, the suicidal mind and was able to explain some things to me. He also understood Grief and enabled me to open up and express all the emotions that come out with grief, anger, sadness, um, you know, just regret and self recrimination, etc. So I was able to enable me to outpour everything that needed to come out, and he could provide some contact to that. And what I've learned through him and then also I saw a, I saw a psychologist, which was incredibly helpful too. You can't do this, this sort of, this sort of grief. You can't do it on your own, and you can't expect your friends and family, to be there for, through the really, really um, challenging bits. But psychologists and I've learnt, as we were talking about mental health literacy, I've learnt, within this process, to identify the emotions, that. I was feeling, to name them, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sad because I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling really angry and I'm feeling angry. And, this, and then what we also develop are coping strategies mm-hmm. by identifying and naming these emotions then, okay, feeling angry, then what do I do when I feel angry? And being able to deal with each of the emotions in, in, a, in an appropriate way and important that all this um, all of these emotions and the sadness would have, that you have ways to deal with it so that in the end it doesn't overwhelm you because you know grief can um, completely overwhelm you and we have to continue to look forward we've got to live our lives we've got to continue to live our lives with families we have friends um, people that we still want to support, yet maintaining the integrity of um, memory and so forth. But you have to protect yourself and you have to protect your loved ones.
0: I agree. And you have to have hope. And that's why hope rhymes with cope. I really think having hope is a really good way um, as a coping strategy. Finally, and I want to talk about sort of support for... For, for those who are grieving and, and, you know, in particular support for parents who have lost their children. Um, I, I want to end the program on this because I, I feel like there are times when people avoid talking about their children altogether because they're worried it will trigger discomfort or trigger sadness. Um, and again, this doesn't really give the chance for the for the parent to talk about their, their, their child, you know, just because they died doesn't mean they, they no longer exist in our hearts. Um, it's sort of like the white elephant that no one wants to talk about, but it's there. Um, so how can we sort of support parents who are going through the the the, the, the loss of, of their children? I think just,
1: yeah, hold them. They're always, they may not be physically with us, but they're there. They're there in your heart and your memories. And you keep the flame glowing by talking about them with love and, you know, remembering. And I, I still have conversations with Jamie. And I also appreciate it when friends and family talk about Jamie and sort of enable me to talk about him. And, you know, it's not about moping because that's not what I want to do. I don't, you know, that's not helpful to anybody.
0: And but you're definitely is, not a moper. You, you've done incredibly well. You, you've started the Wheeze project, which will help other families, frankly, and, and help other young people who may have suicidal so, thoughts. And, and you're keeping families together. Yeah,
1: so I think keep... Keep memories alive, and always, yeah. Yes, it's yeah, incredibly hard to lose a child, um, whatever circumstances, and, you know, that child is always part of the family, always part of the family, in my view, and, yeah, there are many ways to keep that going, and,
0: yeah, and. And how yeah. can we offer support for the parents? I mean, what's some I, I remember from our previous conversations, you know just telling someone that you're sorry, you know and, and you don't have to elaborate, but just say, "I'm sorry," and sometimes that speaks volume. that was
1: there was one person in particular who'd said it in the most sincere way, and that was all that needed to be said. Um, and it it if you're there supporting somebody else as well if it's then a simple word that simple word i'm so i'm sorry um then there is no need to develop it any further no excuse me um no need to push the conversation unless you know, but you're opening it for um, the other person to respond if they want to, to talk if they want to, and just be there to listen, and that you know that really, really does make a difference. So that you you know that you can say what you what you need to do and what what we did. Um, I mean, our friends were incredibly supportive, family and friends,
0: incredibly supportive. And I'm afraid we're out of time this afternoon, but I really look forward to continuing this conversation perhaps next time. This is a conversation to be continued and I look forward to talking to you again next time. Anne Pierce from The WEEZ Project. Thank you very much.